Hello and welcome back to the PSC in Conversation. The PSC is a specialist consultancy dedicated to improving UK public services. So this podcast is designed to tell you everything you need to know about the big issues affecting the public sector right now. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts if you'd like to stay up to date. This is Phil, making my hosting debut this week to continue our Living With Legacy podcast mini-series. We're interviewing digital specialists across the public sector to get their tips and tricks on how to manage legacy systems and to share the challenges they've faced. This week, we're speaking to Archna Barham, who I'm lucky to work with at the PSC. She has direct experience working in both the US and UK healthcare systems. We often speak about the burden on legacy systems in the NHS, but how does the US compare? And what can we learn from the benefits and costs of each? We'll find out today. Archna, welcome. Hi, Phil. Thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure to have you, Archna. So I wonder if we could start by you could just tell us a bit about yourself and your career so far working in healthcare in both the US and the UK. So in the US, I worked as a volunteer um, at two hospitals in New Jersey. So as a front desk volunteer in the orthopedics nursing station and in the maternity nursing station. And um, later on in my career, I also worked as an EMT or an emergency medical technician in Boston. And I also had a chance to um, conduct patient-facing research during my undergraduate years in Boston. And later on, um, after my master's in public health, I started working in the UK. And through the PSC, um, I've had the opportunity to work directly with various NHS entities, including integrated care systems, NHS trusts, NHS X, and NHSD. And in summary, I've worked on healthcare strategy projects, operational health finance, as well as digital service transformation. At the moment, I'm actually working with Phil um, and with the NH- with NHSX to explore routes and barriers to implementing an electronic point of care traceability scanning solution to track certain implantable medical devices. And so, as I mentioned before, I do have public health experience in both the U.S. and the U.K., um, earning my public health minor at Boston University and my MPH at Imperial College London. So, Archana, I wonder if you can tell us about your first experiences, maybe when you went into a U.S. hospital uh, the first time, and then tell us if that was different to when you first walked into a, a U.K. NHS hospital. Yeah, so my first experience walking into a U.S. hospital in, in more of a volunteer capacity and not just as a visitor, um, I actually worked in two different ones, and I found that the experiences were quite different. So actually, they're both in New Jersey, but where I grew up um, in Princeton, New Jersey, the income level was a bit higher. So the hospital that I was working in there was uh, quite new, and it had a lot of new facilities. And actually, I probably best describe it as looking like a hotel. And in terms of the other hospital I was working at, I felt that the population was a bit more diverse, and it was in an area that was a little bit more urban. And it had um, people who were from different backgrounds and were speaking different languages. It's actually great to see um, that mix of, of patients. But in terms of the resources, there weren't people there who spoke the language to accommodate the different types of patients that came in. So for instance, I had to translate uh, to a patient the menu into Spanish. And I'll be at the time, my Spanish was uh, quite I would say intermediate, but um, and I was still just a volunteer, but I did have to take on that role. So there was a discrepancy just in, in a, quite a small region in just one state. Um, so I think that just speaks to the disaggregation of the U.S. healthcare system. And in terms of walking into trust in the U.K., I think largely they're set up quite similarly to each other. Like you don't see visible differences, uh, which I think is great because maybe resources are uh, doled out more equally or uh, maybe addition, more patients have a chance to get similar healthcare services. However, if you just unpeel that one layer, I think there's largely so many differences in, in, in both 
um, in say two hospitals you pick or in any any trust that you go into and you can see that in terms of how staff interact with each other in how um, information is recorded in in what programs people decide to use so for instance i was working on a project for breast cancer and one just in one system so there was two hospitals in one system one um, hospital decided to track all information just with a paper and pen and they hand it off to the um, secretary uh, in in that ward whereas i think the other hospital is slightly more digitally advanced and didn't didn't do that so there's actually no way of just these two hospitals in one system communicating with each other so forget state lines and and trust lines it was just something that um you would take for granted that you know people being controlled by the same administrative staff should have the same practices but they didn't and so i think that just says that the uk and u.s system are, are different but also have similar challenges that they have to face in terms of um making sure all patients receive the same type of care and receive high quality care and Ashna, we're obviously concentrating on legacy tech here. So maybe we can talk a little bit about the project which you and I are both working on, which is the uh, implantable medical devices. So, you know, implanting a, a pacemaker or a hip or a, a replacement knee or whatever. Um, looking at that from a legacy angle, so we're working to change this, but at the moment in the UK, you're, you are effectively getting the implant which the trust has available to you. Uh, and potentially you're getting an, an old implant there and you, you're, you're getting one, you're getting some legacy tech literally implanted into you. How does that fit with the US system? Would you have the ability to say, not just I want this hospital, not just I want this surgeon, but also I know that there's a good hip which I would like to use? So first, in, in terms of the UK, I think I'll give them a little bit of credit by saying that um, when I was visiting a trust, you, um, they said that you can order special devices, it just takes longer and it costs a lot more money. So if, in terms of orthopedics, um, a run-of-the-mill hip replacement might um, be hundreds of pounds, whereas like a bespoke hip replacement might be thousands of pounds. And that's where the, like, the the benefit or the value of tracking these devices is important, right? In, in so far as like, they cost so much money and you know you want to make sure that they're implanting the right patient and, and doing their job. In the US, I haven't had any experience in like family members of mine selecting their specific lenses or devices. Um, I say lenses because I have a family member who did get eye surgery, and that is something that falls under the remit of the project that we're working on is to track um, implants into the eye. But I'm sure that if there was a, a surgery that had the opportunity to select different types of implants, for instance, what comes first to mind is um, different type of cardiac valves and things like that. I'm sure there's an opportunity for you to to discuss options with your um, your doctor at the time before having that implanted in you. But again, I don't have personal experience in that. But we, we probably can conclude, Archana, that the, the initiative, which is really being done across the NHS, so various NHS institutions, NHS X, Digital, Getting It Right First Time, NHS England, uh, and their devolved administrations, this is a really good way of addressing the legacy implant problem because we'll be tracking them much better than before. Yeah, I think so. I think just having oversight of which patients have received what implants and when and by which provider, I think, will do wonders, especially in the use case of recall. So, and there's a precedent for this in terms of um, vaginal mesh implants that didn't uh, fare well in, in the United Kingdom. And I think there's still some patients out there who don't know that they have this faulty vaginal mesh implant, just because the process of going back and looking at you know, which patient got implanted with that particular device is, is so 
complicated because it's entirely manual for the most part, at least in the trust that we visited. So they would have to physically search patient records, uh, paper patient records, and look for stickers that indicate that a this type of vaginal mattress implanted on X date. And so just the exercise of walking through those files, I think, um, is incredibly prone to human error, but also time consuming and may cause an adverse patient reaction in the time that it took you to look for something. So, Arjuna, um, this project we're working on then, uh, which actually spans lots of NHS institutions and, and hospitals uh, across all the devolved nations of the UK, is actually a really good initiative to start addressing this problem of legacy implants. Yes, so the project is looking to, as I mentioned before, exploring rates and barriers to implementing point-of-care scanning of these devices. And I think as we're walking into different trusts, we've noticed that, first of all, there's quite an appetite for a program like this. I think there's a provider-led and a trust-led desire to um, improve patient safety. And I think there are quite... uh, a lot of technological basis for implementing a program like this, although th- that basis uh, differs between trusts. So our objective as in this project is to make sure everyone gets on the same page and everyone has the ability and the support to implement uh, a great program like this, which eventually hopefully will provide um, regulatory oversight and general um, compliance to safety, safety procedures and also create a great data source to reference um, how different devices are being used and create a repository of information that can be referenced if there's a case of recall. Perfect. So interesting, Ashna. So your, your first experience was in healthcare then, was in the US. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about how that was like? I mean, are there any kind of perceived highs or lows to working and receiving care in that system? Yeah, so my experience working in the US was quite early on in my career and actually was focused on administrative and clinical work rather than the strategic and operational work that I've been working on in the UK. And so, first, I just wanted to say that healthcare quality and patient experience in the U.S. is vastly different across uh, the entire country, and um, it's quite dependent on an individual's access to insurance, his or her socioeconomic status, and any regional context. Um, In terms of the perceived highs, uh, that being said, my experience working and receiving healthcare in the United States has been largely positive. As a volunteer, I witnessed caring and hardworking nurses who, who prioritized patient care, and um, work to deliver the highest quality care possible. I also observed well-established technological services, including um, the use of pharmaceutical carts that were digitized, as well as easy-to-use patient administrative services and software. And as an EMT in Boston, I had the chance to learn from some of the best, as Boston has quite a lot of trauma one specialist centers. Um, And in terms of receiving care, as as I mentioned before, Um, In my experience and in my family's experience, um, we received quite high quality care, uh, both for surgical procedures and and ongoing care. And we also enjoyed the ability to choose what providers we wanted and also um, have a little bit of say in the type of treatment we get. And we had an opportunity to choose specialist treatment if we wanted. And I just wanted to add that in terms of specifically the providers themselves and the nurses, as I mentioned, taking care of a close family member, I thought that not only did they save her life, but they made the entire experience really positive because they showed such compassion. But that being said, in terms of um, the lows, I would say that obviously the upfront cost of treatment is quite high. And I can, again, only speak to to my personal experience, but in terms of working in emergency care, um, it was widely known that an ambulance ride would cost hundreds of dollars um, to, to the patient. And 
for instance, that's why we kept uh, taxi vouchers in our EMT kit, just in case somebody wanted to take a separate vehicle on the way um, to the hospital. And in addition, a family member also did experience, I suppose, like misdiagnosis in, in, in the primary care setting. And uh, this primary care physician wanted to prescribe medication before potentially addressing the like, underlying, um, I guess, underlying basis of the condition that uh, family member had at the time. And it was only found out uh, via an accidental visit to another appointment um, that actually I was attending as a child. So I just thought that illustrated some gaps in primary care services and potentially a tendency to over-prescribe. Really, really interesting. So after you got that far, you came over to the UK and you started working with the NHS. I wonder if you can talk to us about your, your kind of first impressions of that and how it compared with uh, the US healthcare system. I know your, your former president, Donald Trump, said that he wasn't interested in the NHS even if it was handed to the US on a silver platter, legacy crockery as I think of it, uh, you know, what, what do you think of it? So my first impression of the UK healthcare system was actually in a more theoretical sense as I was learning about it in my master's and I specialized in um, health services and systems. So at that point, I thought that the NHS quite, was quite standardized and quite cohesive. Um, but in working at the PSC and in various projects, I noticed actually there was quite a lot of um, disaggregation across the system and particularly at the trust level especially in regards to how they choose to implement solutions or meet the mandates that were instituted even at a central, um, I suppose, level. And in terms of comparing both systems, in my experience, um, I thought that the US and UK healthcare providers both strive to provide high quality patient care. But in a general policy sense, I noticed that the US focuses on acute care or prioritizing secondary care, as we call it in the States, while the UK prioritizes primary care. And in addition, obviously the NHS allows all individuals to have access to the same healthcare services, whereas in the U.S., if you do have access to healthcare, um, you may also have the opportunity to select your providers or your course of treatment. And regarding Donald Trump's statement, um, if we're assuming that in this case the NHS is synonymous with a single-payer system, then I would say that if the U.S. were handed it on a silver platter, then I would be in support of that. Um, I believe everyone has the right to access healthcare. However, sadly, I don't think the silver platter does exist. So the U.S. system will probably face several challenges to implementing a system similar to the NHS in the United States um, for multiple reasons. So firstly, I think lifting and shifting a, sim a similar system to the NHS and implanting it in the U.S. Uh, might be difficult as the NHS is not a one-size-fits-all system. And there's also quite a lot of political barriers to overcome. Uh, for instance, in the United States, there's an assumption that actually everyone is covered by some sort of healthcare service in, in various ways. Uh, there's an assumption that the lower um, socioeconomic status individuals and the older population is covered through the emergency care services and also through Medicare and Medicaid, and that the middle class will be covered by private health insurance, usually provided by their employers. As such, it'd be quite difficult, I think, to convince a whole group of people to be in support of a brand new system, especially in existing four to eight year political cycles. And we can see this um, in how U.S. healthcare reform has manifested over the years. So from Nixon to Biden, similar universal healthcare policies have been proposed, and they all build on private and public partnerships, but they've actually just been repackaged and presented to the public with only specific add-ons, um, albeit key ones like the individual mandate being truly contentious. And lastly, as the U.S. population is highly diverse and quite large, I think we'll face challenges in scaling the system up to meet the needs of the entire country. And in my opinion, we'll face similar challenges to the UK in terms of standardizing care across disaggregated entities. In this case, though, that would be states rather than trusts.
but ha- after having said all that, I do believe that we shouldn't stop trying to improve the U.S. healthcare system. I think we should just prioritize working to address the challenge I just mentioned and thinking about working towards the goal of increasing access to affordable healthcare for the most number of people, while also making sure that healthcare is of the highest quality possible. Fantastic. So, Archer, um, as you know, this series is all about legacy systems. And we're speaking to experts across tech, healthcare, and the civil service to get a better view of how the, the, the kind of the legacy technology is impacting our lives and how that can best be managed. So, to dive into that, I mean, in, in your experience, is the NHS riddled, riddled with legacy systems compared to the US, as we're kind of led to believe, or is the US healthcare system battling the same same demons as the NHS? I think both countries have their own legacy systems to address and work to improve. However, I think the timeline for service transformation may differ based on when mandates were issued in both countries. So for instance, the FDA in 2004 mandated that all pharmaceuticals should have barcodes on their packaging, and uh, point-of-care scanning, especially focused on pharmaceuticals, was already being adopted around this time in in hospitals. Whereas in the UK, um, the mandate that NHS Trust should comply with certain barcode standards was issued in 2014. And the idea that point-of-care scanning is the ideal way to collect information on key medical devices was tested in 2016 and further proposed in 2020. So in addition, the US, I think, also has to contend with how practices vary across the private and public sector, um, especially in terms of how they contribute to the healthcare system overall. So for instance, um, questioning how do insurance companies assess billing claims? You know, How does that impact access to healthcare? And um, all of these things can have an impact on legacy systems and, and you know what's in place now and why things are potentially slow to change. So um, it's really interesting to hear your experiences of how the, the systems uh, are different and the different challenges they have. Are there any shared challenges you think that both systems face? Yes, I think one challenge that both systems face is the challenge of standardizing practices across the country and across different system entities. So I mentioned this before. So when I think about the United States, I think um, it's it being split across states in terms of the healthcare system. And in the UK, I think everything um, being split across trusts in terms of um, making local decisions on how programs are implemented. So, for instance, in the United States, as of 2017, according to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, 96% of hospitals and 86% of physicians' offices in the U.S. had access to electronic patient records. However, this resulted in many information systems that weren't necessarily communicating effectively with each other. And anecdotally, I've been told recently of an instance where a provider couldn't access a patient's medical information from another state. And in the UK, through my experience on-site in trusts, I noticed that trusts prioritize different needs and turn to creating bespoke technological solutions in-house or layer multiple solutions on top of each other to meet the data requirements of a mandate. And there are many use cases I can see this absence of standardization being an issue in both countries, one of which would be the inability to draw patterns at a higher level, for instance, at a regional level or a national level, to identify the basis for like a medical device recall or identify the beginnings of an infectious disease outbreak. And I can only speak to how the UK is facing these challenges because I'm, I have the opportunity to currently work on those challenges with the PSE, um, and especially on a, a, some projects that actually are working to address these legacy systems. Um, for instance, we are working to address one of these challenges through a system-wide analysis of data submission pathways, um, which I think will just reveal where improvements can be made. How do you rate each system and its ability to take on the legacy challenge, actually? I think it's a difficult uh, question because I suppose all my answers and my experiences come from 
as much as possible, like personal experiences or direct observation of the system at hand. And I think when the healthcare system in general and, and making reforms is quite challenging because it involves so many parties. And so it's difficult to improve everything at once, if that makes sense. And I think, as I mentioned before, I just think the UK might be where the United States was a few years ago in some regards, maybe in, in terms of electronic patient records. But I, as I mentioned later, I think the UK is a, a bit um, advanced in presenting regulatory frameworks and thinking about the impact of um, policies after they're implemented. So it's quite challenging to an answer. And I, I kind of I have all these caveats in my head just because I know that um, just like the UK, the US is also um, split up, as I mentioned, into, into 50 different states. And um, even if there's a federal mandate, how a state decides to implement something or um, whether a state decides to implement something is up for debate. And I think that's why my answer can never cover the entire country, can only probably um, you know, be in regards to Massachusetts and New Jersey, which is quite a limited sampling of the whole nation. So, Archer, I think one thing which has come across really strongly is how um, how kind of variegated the two health systems are and any kind of work which needs to be done uh, has to deal with the fact that there's so much kind of local control in both health systems. So I suppose people might come to this from the outside thinking, are there some areas where the UK and the US could productively work together. But is, is that even possible with such a kind of uh, broken down systems? I think so. I think it just speaks to what I mentioned before. And I think in my experience, um, in, in either learning about the, these healthcare systems in kind of a controlled setting academically or just observing what I've observed, I think there's a tendency in the United States, um, not only in healthcare, but in other sectors to innovate first and regulate after. And vice versa, I think is true in the UK where there's a tendency to regulate first and then innovate after which I think allows for potential meaningful um, joint working between the two. Uh, so for instance, the United States can bring its experience in how it has implemented digital services widely across a diverse landscape, especially in the case of its electronic health record. I think there's a high uptake of that service in the US and also point of care scanning in terms of um, you know, scanning pharmaceuticals. And in the UK, we, they, the UK can bring experience in creating and instituting key regulatory frameworks that ensure the safe and effective use of services that may involve the use of sensitive patient data. And I mentioned that because in the US, while there is HIPAA that is meant to protect patient safety, I know that there's some um, you know, things that have fallen through the, the gaps, such as communicating between providers uh, through unofficial messaging systems or things like that. So I think um, combining both may create a quite a robust system. So, so interesting to hear all this, Arshna. Thank you so much. Um, Okay, so as a final question, if there was a single thing you could take from the UK's NHS to the US uh, and vice versa, what would you choose? So I've actually been asked this before, um, and I think my answer, even though I've learned so much since I've been first asked, hasn't changed. So I think that even though my initial perception of the, the UK system um, isn't as standardized as I thought it was, I think there's a level of... Um, standardization to access of care that can be brought to the United States. So for instance, everyone can access the same services across the board, which I think is great in terms of creating an equitable um, health system. And in terms of what I would bring from the United States to the UK, I think it's access to those specialist treatments. So I know that procurement and choice of services in, in the UK is made at a um, national level. 
and it's made um, to the extent of determining what does everyone need right now and what do the most what, what can most people benefit from. Whereas in the U.S., there is an opportunity to get um, treatment for very very rare conditions or experimental treatment. Um, while it is quite expensive, I feel like the opportunity to even acquire or get those services, I think, is important to have. And so I also think that leads to patient autonomy. So to make decisions on what kind of specialist treatment or, or what kind of existing treatment a patient or you want to get as a patient, I think, is, is important. And obviously I say that um, with the caveat that if you're lucky to have insurance and access to those services, um, you can benefit from that. But it's something to consider in the UK. Uh, Asha Baron, thanks so much for your time. This has been the PSC in Conversation. Thanks so much for listening and we'll be back with another episode very soon to continue our legacy series where we'll hear from another expert on their experience and top tips for working with legacy systems. Please subscribe where you get your podcasts and we'd love to hear from you with questions, comments or suggestions at hello at the PSC Co. UK.